0: Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Father Sean is looking for my sermon notes right now, because uh, I couldn't bring them up as we were doing the liturgy tour earlier today. Um, but I-, I wanted to uh, welcome you all to uh, Res. Uh, my name is Father Ryan. I'm one of the priests here at Resurrection South Austin. Uh, every week, we uh, go through the liturgy. Uh, we go through the liturgy, and a uh, part of that liturgy—I uh, don't know if Sean actually mentioned this or not—but it's we, we do the Sunday lectionary. We preach from the lectionary. Uh, every every uh, Sunday, we uh, we preach from the lectionary. It's a three-year cycle of scripture that was put together by some really, really wise people. Uh, and each week we do the Old Testament, we do Psalm, we do a, a New Testament epistle reading, and we do the Gospel reading each week. Uh, and uh, it's just a beautiful way to like uh, bring together uh, the Scriptures. Uh, and ev- every week there's often a, a common theme that we find through each of these. Um, and should I just, I'm going to run back and get them real quick. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to get them... <laughs> They were in a place only I could find, apparently. But anyway, so in our lectionary readings for this week, uh, we, have, we find this common theme throughout each of the readings. Uh, in our gospel reading from Mark today, we encounter a rich young man who comes to Jesus and asks him simply, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Everything that we know about this rich young man seems to suggest that he's coming to Jesus honestly. He's not like the Pharisees who come to Jesus to try to test him. This rich young man is coming in earnest and asking this question of Jesus. You get the sense that he is actually attempting to try to live a virtuous life, right? This isn't just him uh, trying to, it's not like a gotcha moment for Jesus. He's actually wanting to know. He's seeking after this thing called eternal life. Jesus lists off all these parts of the law, the Ten Commandments, and and, and the the rich young man says, Teacher, I've kept the the law from my youth. I've kept these things. He even talks about the word here is like, I've guarded these things in my heart. But something is still missing for this rich young man. Something still seems uh, to be lacking, even as he guards and keeps the law in his heart. For he comes to Jesus with this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Whereas I wonder if this question actually runs wide and deep in all of our collective consciousness in our world today. This thing, this this, what must I do to inherit eternal life runs deep in our world. I want to put before us this morning that this possibility that this question is actually at the heart of what drives our world and all of us in it. It is at the center of all of our pursuits. Theologian William Cavanaugh talks about, about this as our modern preoccupation and desire to cheat time and death. So much of our world is, is actually set up and geared towards this attempt to cheat, to transcend time and death. Eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Time and death are at play here. Kavanaugh uses the example of consumerism in our worlds as a way to understand this reality. Most people critique consumerism as an overly materialistic way of living in the world. We are obsessed with material things. And this is the heart of the problem, but it's not totally the heart of the problem, is it? Kavanaugh says that ultimately this is not a desire just to be materialistic and to want things, but it's actually a desire to transcend reality. We want to cheat time and death, and there's something about this constant cycle of wanting and buying things that feeds this pursuit of transcendence. And in this way, we actually become the rich young man in this story in the Gospel of Mark we can place ourselves in His shoes because we all seek after this. It's impossible in our world today and in North America not to be at least at some level kind of wrapped up in this cycle of consumerism and wealth. As we were reading our uh, psalm for today, Psalm 90 earlier, I was reminded about how the psalmist actually captures this reality. If you remember, it begins... By the psalmist proclaiming that you are God everlasting, world without end. God is the eternal one. What does it say about humans in the psalm, though? It says, you turn people back to dust. And the psalmist calls the people of God back to humility. Teach us to number our days, O God. Teach us to number our days. I was thinking about this, this, this last week or two about this reality of teaching us to number our days, to remember that we are human and that we can't cheat time and death. I was thinking about this at our house. We, have, uh, we, we bought a house this summer and we've, I have a new visitor at our house. It's an orb weaver spider. It's found its way, not in our house because Bliss would not allow that, um, but just outside the, the kitchen window, this orb weaver spider, I found it one day, building a web. Uh, at around, around, around dinner time. And it was uh, just this gigantic spider, this beautiful web, all this stuff. And then the next day it was gone. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe a bird knocked it da- down or the wind or whatever it might be. Um, but then that night around dinner time, the orb weaver spider came out again and started building its web. And the next morning it was gone. And this happened over and over again. I'm like, what is going on here? Why is the spider like just leaving and taking down its web every night. that seems like it's like, it's inefficient, right? It's like, why would you take down your web when you could just leave it up and not have to do the work every single day of doing this? And then I found out orb weaver spiders do this. They're nocturnal spiders and they, they consume their web every single morning. It's just a part of their process. And for some reason, this kind of captured this idea for me. So now every time I see this orb weaver spider, building and taking down its web it reminds me to teach me to number my days we're human teach us to remember that we cannot cheat time and death teach us to remember that money possessions the constant accumulation of things cannot ultimately satisfy the deeper longings for eternal life and like the rich young men we all find ourselves at the feet of jesus at the good teacher, and we're all dissatisfied like the rich young man is, I think. We're dissatisfied with the world's attempts to transcend time and death. We know something is missing. And I love this about our gospel reading today. Jesus' posture here to the rich young man is, is not one of rebuke, but of love. He looked upon the young man and loved him, is what the gospel says. This small, seemingly insignificant phrase I think is so key here, and it makes all the difference in the world. The call to to follow Jesus is always rooted in the love of God. And this love that God has for this rich young man beckons him into relationship. Jesus calls him to sell all you have, give to the poor, and follow me. Jesus invites him to do the one thing he seemingly cannot do, give away his wealth to the poor and follow the good teacher. St. Basil the Great, who was a a church father back in the 4th century, wrote a little book called On Social Justice, and he says this, and I think it, it speaks to this issue of the rich young man here. He says, I know many who fast, who pray, who sigh and demonstrate every manner of piety, so long as it costs them nothing yet would not part with a penny to help those in distress. Jesus sees in this young man what is true for so many of us, and I'd put myself at the first, I'd be at the front of the line here, that we often find ourselves in situations where when it comes to money, our wealth, our things and possessions, we lack the willingness to lay our our lives down for Jesus and his kingdom, for the sake of the poor and the distressed. Like the rich young man, we often find ourselves wanting to escape reality and attempting to transcend time and death through our wealth. But Jesus invites us to let go of this wearisome and endless pursuit, this thing that we know isn't ultimately fulfilling. There's something lacking here. And he calls us back into relationship with him. Our Amos reading from this morning highlights this reality as well. Uh, As I said before, our story of the rich young man uh, is, is, is connected to our passage in Amos. Because Amos is all about justice and the oppressed. Initially, God's word in Amos is directed everywhere but Israel, all the nations around Israel. It's, it's talking about the injustice of these nations surrounding Israel. But then God turns his attention to his people. He turns his attention to the people of God and talking about their complicity in injustice. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down the righteous to the earth, you trample on the poor and turn, turn aside the needy in the gate. God calls the people to turn away from injustice. And just like Jesus in Mark's Gospel, He calls them back into relationship. Seek the Lord and live. Establish justice in the gate. Sell all you have. Give to the poor and follow me. Does it mean that we all have to heed the call of the rich young man in the same way? That's the question, right? Do we need to sell everything we have and give it to the poor? That was certainly the call for St. Francis of Assisi. Back in the 13th century in Italy, we just celebrated the feast day of St. Francis earlier this week. And it's entirely, I think, intentional that the lectionary has these readings right around St. Francis, the feast day of St. Francis. Because his life... And his call to poverty embodies everything that we hope for for this rich, rich young man in the Gospels. Francis came from a wealthy family. He's the, the, the kind of epitome of this rich young man in so many ways. But he, over time, became disillusioned with his wealth, and he eventually renounced it. And the story actually goes that he literally took all of his clothes off of his back when he was standing before the bishop, renouncing his wealth. So that the bishop had to give him his own cloak so that it wasn't naked in front of everyone. And one of the, there's lots of fun stories from uh, Francis's life, but one of the ones that I appreciate the most is uh, after Francis took this vow of poverty, he would go around uh, ministering to the poor and he would often give his cloak off his back to the poor, like to someone who might need it, who didn't have a cloak. And so in doing so, he would give like lots and lots of these cloaks away. Like he would just, he would just encounter people who need it. He would give it away. And finally, he was ordered by one of his superiors to like stop doing this. Like they were running out of cloaks. And they couldn't keep doing this. But such was Francis's like life and his, and his desire to serve the poor that uh, one, he came up, uh, upon a man after the superior had told him this. And he, and he needed a cloak. And so Francis said to him, I cannot give you a cloak, but perhaps if you took it from me. This is... This is Francis, right? I mean, this is the, in some ways it's the extreme, but it's the embodiment of this Gospel, right? This Gospel reading today. And I think we're all... Jesus is inviting all of us to discern the ways in which we are in these shoes of the rich young man. What is our invitation for today? As it relates to our wealth, our possessions, our money. Jesus makes it crystal clear that none of us are immune the, the, the ways in which wealth, the ways in which mammon have a pull and a sway in our life. And if it's not wealth specifically, there are countless other ways in which we try to cheat time and death in our lives that both avoid our relationship with Jesus and avoid ways in which we just distance ourselves from our neighbors and the poor and the needy. We have all sorts of ways of cushioning ourselves, whether it be wealth or family or whatever it might be. We have Fences in our yards that keep us from one another, right? Jesus even names some of these other things. He talks about houses, land, our families. These are the things that oftentimes can get in the way of seeking after him and caring for the poor and the oppressed. But today we proclaim the good news that Jesus, uh, in spite of our desire to cheat death and cheat time, We proclaim the good news that Jesus has actually entered into time and he's actually entered into death and has claimed victory there. In the ways that we try to avoid it, he actually entered into time and death and claimed victory so that we no longer have to escape time and death. The answer to what do I need to do to inherit eternal life has actually been answered in Jesus. In Amos, we hear it proclaimed as seek the Lord and live. In Mark's gospel, we hear it in Jesus' invitation to come and follow me. You and I are invited to share in the riches of the kingdom that Jesus has ushered into the world. This kingdom where good news to the poor and liberty to the captives is proclaimed and actually enacted in Jesus. This is a kingdom where, as we hear in the, in the Gospel of Mark today, many who are first will be last and the last first. And we lay claim to the inheritance of of Jesus' incarnation, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, and now His reign over all things. And we we lay claim to the inheritance of this community, resurrection, South Austin, the body of Christ, which Jesus established on earth, and where we can encourage and challenge one another to seek the Lord and live. Every week, we have the opportunity to respond to this this, uh, gospel uh, invitation from Jesus. And we have the opportunity to respond in praise and thanksgiving for the gifts that He has given and bestowed upon all of us, individually and collectively as a community. We offer these gifts every time we come and and offer the gifts uh, in the offering in our service on Sunday. We offer these gifts back to God, the things that He's given us. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And then we are invited to come before Him. Just as He says in the Gospel reading today, come follow me. We are invited to the table every week to commune with Jesus. To remember that we are creatures created and sustained by Him and His presence. And Jesus invites us to follow Him into the world, offering our gifts to seek righteousness and justice. Offering our gifts to the poor and the oppressed. And to follow Him wherever He might take us. I invite you to take some time this morning, this, this, this afternoon, this week, to heed this invitation from Jesus for yourself. How is He calling you to give of the gifts that he has given you the wealth, the possessions, your time, your resources. How is he calling you to break out of this obsession to cheat time and death and actually follow him into the world? To minister to our neighbors, to, to minister to the poor, to minister to the needy. If you're not sure where to start, start with Rez. We have benevolence ministry here at Res that we give to all sorts of ministries and we, we, we serve in all sorts of ways here in South Austin. That's a great way to start. Start with Rez. Start giving to the church for these ministries. It may just be that in learning how to do this, how to give away our wealth, our time, our resources, it might just be that in this giving away, we might find life. We might find eternal life there in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take a minute to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.